Thanks, David. Good morning, everybody. That is exciting to see up the back, I've got to say, as well. There's a lot of them going out. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have you all here. If I haven't met you, welcome. It's great to see you. My name's uh, Scott. I'm one of the, on the pastoral team here, and um, my privilege to, to bring the word this morning uh, in the absence of, of Kirk and Nicole, our, our senior pastors, who continue their journeys um, over in Europe, meeting with the other national directors of of, of Vineyard Churches Global, uh, so they have a dual role, so, and they are um, performing the second part of their role over in Europe today, so um, we continue to pray for them, please do continue to pray for them, and particularly as they um, head in towards, you know, continuing their meetings, but then heading towards traveling home, it's a, it's a long journey, I think the way over was 35 hours, so um, it's quite quite taxing ride for them, so please be praying for them, uh, for strength and for um, energy and, and also, again, more than ever, that they continue to hear from the Lord and follow him into all that he's calling them into and us as a, a body of believers. Um, look, last week we had a wonderful week where Helen Gould came in uh, from the Briz West Vineyard. She came and spoke and um, talked to us about always being ready to give account for the hope we have. And then we went into a little exercise last week where we told uh, our stories. Like Helen put a few key questions up and said, right, you've got like two minutes. So it, it was a great practice to, to talk, to, to practice our, telling our story in a really succinct way um, to then if, if others... If the opportunity arises, and I pray with all I am, it does for you to, to um, talk to people about the hope you have in Jesus, that we practice that and we're ready for that, not because we want a scripted sentence, but because we actually just want it to really touch people's lives. And if you're anything like me, I am a waffler. That is true. And so stand by. I've got my timer. It's all good. I'll, um, I'll stay on time. But I can be a waffler. So for, for someone like me, it's a great exercise to go, no, no. Two minutes, really succinct. Keep it to the keep it to the main and the plane, and, and get that story out. It was a great exercise, and so I really hope you enjoyed that. And I thought it was a really timely message for those of you who know me. Know I'm really big on the big story too. I love to see the 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 end to end aspect of what's God doing, not just the what's right in front of us, but but what's his biggest story going on? And I thought it was just a wonderful way to wrap up the end of our, our Yes series, where, where Kirk just did a, a wonderful job of leading us through, of giving our yes to Jesus again this, this year. And we wrapped that, season, that series up a couple of weeks ago. So giving, in giving our yes, it was just a great reminder as we told our story of what that yes is and what God is doing in our lives. So I thought this morning, I'm going to start by actually um, telling you a little bit of my story. And for, sorry to those of you that have heard it before, but um, that's okay. I'm sure there'll be something fresh in it that, that um, I haven't told you before. But my story is um, one of being raised in, in the church. I, I was born and um, raised up into... Uh, my grandparents were Baptists, and my um, mum uh, chose to head to the Church of Christ. Not not too dissimilar in terms of some of the values they, they have to each other. So I was raised uh, in in the church, and have a, a wonderful, rich history. I, I'm very thankful for it. I'm thankful for uh, who my family is, and what they did. Uh, you know, I can just remember as a, a little tacker, like so so small, going to my grandparents' house and. Uh, 
If you know Victoria and Melbourne, um, over at Blackburn uh, North in, in the eastern suburbs of, of Melbourne, and uh, my, my pa lived close enough that we could walk. And early on a Sunday morning, as a little kid, off we'd go because, you know, they had regular baptism service, like the entire church. They had this massive baptistry at the back of the stage. That's how committed they, to, they were to people are going to get saved and they're going to need to be baptized. They literally built a tank that had a, a sorry, a tank, a pool at the back of the, of the worship stage. So picture that being you could walk in, they get walked in from one side down the stairs into the tub and out the other side and off they went. That, like they prepared for numbers of people to be to be baptized it was so cool and we would go down on a sunday morning and we would fill the baptistry with hot water to make sure it wasn't too cold as victoria uh, so it needed to be warm we'd go down and make sure that thing was full ready for the service and turn it on we would do he would do so many other things during the service and would always invite me to come hang out collecting the offering was awesome and then we'd go up the back and they'd have this big speaker in this room and they were quite a large church so there was often three or four counters and off we'd go and I'd get the coin job and I'd be counting the coins. It was just, I, I learned to serve through watching my family. And my mum, uh, my nana was massive on catering, like, like would just prepare massive meals and she had a deli so she had this old uh, thing, the thing was actually a weapon because it had no guard on, you know the deli slices? I mean back in the day they were just this massive iron wheel and there was no guard so you put your hand or your finger in the wrong place and off it went. So she would have that at home though and she'd be cooking these big roast beefs and she'd slice that stuff up nice and thin to be able to cater for people making sandwiches. And my mum carried that on, she was a massive caterer and serving people, helping people be fed at different times. She, she loved doing all that kind of stuff. My auntie and uncle were missionaries into Papua New Guinea and got to go visit them and, and be a part of that for a couple of weeks. So just got a, a really massive um, history of service in the kingdom of God and through some of the mainstream churches. And I began um, as a young adult to also then start to get heavily involved in serving as well. It was kind of it's kind of my, it's our mantle, I guess, and DNA, so it was kind of in me already, and it just came out of me at different times through serving a youth group leader, um, doing, pre, pre, you know, there was always a pre-communion speech that somebody did in the Church of Christ, so I got to do that a few times, and just different ways of serving. But as a young adult, um, on the back of that, and, and I... Anything I say today, I don't want you to feel like I'm talking about any of it was negative. It's not. Not, 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 not in any way, shape or form. I'm very thankful for the history I have. But in the midst of the serving, what I began to, now that I reflect on, find out was I was starting to find my value in the actual service. Who I was as a person. I, it, it wasn't so much that the serving others became the most important thing and it was that that sometimes the you know if you get up and you speak and do a communion prep you wanted to hear people say that was really wonderful great job and you started to get I started to get value out of hearing the affirmation and if I didn't then I worried did I do a good job and so um and, and also my time, like I was, I was getting really tired from doing a, a lot of stuff uh, within the church. And, and, but I felt like I had to keep going. I needed to keep doing it. And God in his wonderful grace, um, when I was a young adult, busted into my life in a, in a really powerful way through worship pri primarily. And, and I began a story as a young adult of, of intimacy 
with, with God. It was, a, it was new and it was fresh for me because, again, all I'd seen by, uh, in, in majority was the act of service towards God. And, and that's how you got close to God is by serving. And that's how you earned his love was by serving all, all the time. And so I just consistently would do that. And so then all of a sudden in and through worship, I started to feel these feelings. And I was like, wow, this is new. And it's kind of cool. And, and, and untroubling and, and everything all at once. And now I'm crying. Why am I crying? I don't know why I'm crying. And, and now I'm happy. What, what is going on in all of this worship? And I began to understand the Holy Spirit on a level that I'd never experienced before. And this is by God's grace, Him breaking into my life. And um, I am... Um, I, here's, Spotify has it, so I can t- t- tell you this. There's a, a worship album by Delirious called Live and in the Can, and that just busted me open, that one, as well as Vineyard Worship as well. But there's a song, and you might have heard it, because some of you might have heard it, because Jesus Culture also did it uh, later, only a couple of years ago, and it's called Obsession. Go and have a read of the lyrics of that song. And they actually, I had it on here. Let me just give you a little taste of what that song says. This is where my heart was at. My heart started to burn in, in this place of, 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 of meeting God in a way that I'd never experienced before. What can I do with my obsession with the things I cannot see? Is there madness in my being? Is it wind that blows the trees? Sometimes you're further than the moon and sometimes you're closer than my skin. And you surround me like a winter fog. You come and burn me with a kiss. And my heart burns for you, and my heart burns for you. And I'm so filthy with my sin, and I carry pride like a disease. You know I'm stubborn, God, and I'm longing to be close. You burn me deeper than I know, and I feel lonely without hope. I feel desperate without vision. You wrap around me like a winter coat. You come and free me like a bird. And my heart, it burns for you. And so I was on this journey as a young adult of... um, uh, of, of understanding that more and more, um, that I will testify that prayer in intercession was a massive part of God breaking in and breaking apart things that were not right in my life, that were not right in terms of how I saw him because of my relationship with my earthly dad and, and other things like that. And, and, and again, in his grace, he broke in and in powerful ways, sometimes a couple of visions here or there, a um, couple of just his manifest presence was literally breaking into my space. He wasn't distant. He was close. He was very, very close. And so now I had these two things going on. I've got this thing of I love serving and, and it's wonderful to do. But now I'm like, oh, sitting at the, you know, the feet of Jesus or, or understanding uh, more about his presence and his love. This is wonderful as well. And around that time, as I wrestled through this, See, mainstream churches relied heavily on that aspect. And again, I'm so thankful for the history, so thankful for my brothers and sisters in the Baptist and Church of Christ. But there was this sense that in this breaking, in this teaching started to come out, and, and we'll read the passage in just a moment. In fact, Stephen, if you wanted to put it up there, the, um, the next one, Luke 10, 38 to 40, uh, 42, and you might know it. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And so here I am as this young adult, and I'm going, oh, I love serving. 
and I'm finding out who I am in God and this is wonderful in his presence and, and now I'm back in and should I serve and, and, and what happens when the two clash? What do I do with those things? How do I, which is right? And, and there's this teaching that started to, to rise up because, see, mainstream church had, had said that, that you, you get close to God and you, you, you love God and, you, and, and to it they maybe not expressly said but you, you, you are loved by God when you serve him. And, and so there was, there was this thing going on, but then on the other side, there, there was this move of God of his presence and sense of intimacy that was coming. And so this teaching started to come that kind of swept the, the pendulum back this direction and not a bad thing at all. But it, it said Mary and Martha, when I heard this story a lot, would be that Mary did it right, Martha got it wrong. And here I am, this guy has got this rich history of service and would burn in me at times when I would see pub, um, the people of Jesus coming together and I would be like, I, I want to get involved and serve, but everybody's talking about it's more important to do this sitting thing and this being in the presence of, of Jesus. I'm like, I'm almost feeling guilty that I want to do this. And then a little bit of Martha crept up in me going, I'm a little bit jealous that other people are just sitting, Lord, why aren't you getting them up and, and about? But we'll, that's another story for another time. And so I've got this, this, this tension in me, and I, and, I, and, I, and I couldn't work it out with the Lord. And for years I wrestled and wrestled with this passage. And the, the, the question for me, which you saw on the previous slide and have titled today's message is, do I sit or do I serve? And so let's quickly have a read of um, the story of Mary and Martha, in case you're not aware of it. Let's read that together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So you could see, hopefully you could see like, the tension for me, and what, what do I actually do here, Lord? How do I, how do I resolve this, this tension? And, and Lord, what's the one thing? Why didn't you say what the one thing is? I'm like, ah, oh, if I just knew the one thing, then I could resolve this tension for me. And how could we go forward with this? So I learned enough, and I've learned enough now in my older years that I thought it might be a really good idea to go and have a look at what Jesus did. He was pretty good at living life and living in the presence of the Father. He kind of balanced those two things out really, really well. And, you know... Um, yeah, he balanced those two things really, really well. And so what, um, w when I started to search the scriptures and, and when I've had a look in preparing for this message, I found that Luke, uh, Kirk likes to call Luke Dr. Luke because he was a doctor and he's very methodical and very pointed about what he puts where and why he puts things in, in the scriptures. And I thought it might be a good idea to have a look around that passage and see what's going on. And when you do, we're not going to seminary. This is just a, this will be a short component of biblical teaching here. So let's let's just ride with me. We'll get there in the end of a practical application. When you have a look around the text, 
at what Luke was presenting, you actually look at the story of Mary and Martha and go, that is a really weird story to put in the middle of these other passages that are, actually, that are around it. Why did Luke do that? That's a really strange thing. There must be a reason why he did it. And so um, we can look at, well, and we will have a look at, some of the passages just previous in Luke 10 and then on the other side in Luke 11. So Stephen, if you want to just go to the next slide. So here's a summary. I'm not going to read them all to you. Jesus sends out the 72. Uh, to, and so prior to that, he'd sent out the 12 and then, and then there's some other teachings and then he sends out the 72. And there's words like this included in it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, I love, I absolutely love this. Don't let this be lost because this is your story too. This is, this is our story, this next statement, not just the disciples' story. Because as Jesus said and as Jesus prayed for in John 17, it wasn't just about his disciples. It was for the ones who would believe in their message and, on, and so on and so forth that he prayed for and that he was talking to. Listen to this. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. They've just come back from the healing the sick casting out demons they're excited and Jesus is like I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky and he says to them blessed are you that see are the eyes that see what you see for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but they did not hear it our story is one of the inbreaking kingdom and blessed are we who see the inbreaking of the kingdom and hear the word of God preached and the kingdom breaking in. And then on, um, on the, he then goes into this, the story of the Good Samaritan. And, and this is really about um, the, the Jewish people. Now we've got to remember the Jewish people were very much about how do I have relationship with God through the doing through the, the, the rules, we, we had um, Stephen's brother up here giving us some wonderful insight in what it was like to be a Messianic Jew and worth going to have a listen if you want to know a little bit, about, bit more about the Jewish history. But they wanted to be right before God. And so the story of the Good Samaritan is about Jesus saying, you have to literally die to yourself because this Samaritan, when he actually helps that, that beggar, he was, to a Jewish person, that per, they would have been unclean by helping or touching that person. That would have potentially stopped them from drawing near to God. And Jesus says to him, if you want to do, if you, in terms of be justified before God, then die to yourself and to your religion. Die to the religion and actually help the people that need help around you. That is bringing the kingdom. That's how you do the things of the kingdom. That's another teaching for another time, but I won't go any further than that. So we have the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so there's this sense that, that at the front end, Jesus is, and Luke is being clear that the activity of the kingdom is a wonderful thing and we're meant to do it. 
And Jesus says, go and do it. And you've got the authority to go and do it. And I'm with you. And then he says, but let your religion be dropped. Don't, you cannot earn God's love. You cannot be right in God's eyes by, by the doing of that activity. And then we have the story of Mary and Martha, where there's all this activity that Martha's actually doing. But then Mary sits at Jesus' feet, is the other side of that coin. And then on the back end of that, Luke goes into Jesus' teaching on prayer. Now we read that passage and we read the Lord's Prayer and we recite it and we know how to recite it. But we need to understand that the Lord's Prayer was a framework and a guide for the Jews in how to pray. This was a revolutionary prayer to a Jewish person that Jesus was talking about. And but we know that, I can tell you that with a surety because of the first word, if you wanted to, yeah, thanks Stephen, look at that, all over it. <laughs> the first word in the prayer, Father. Now the Jews knew God as I am, the undescribable one. He's so big, so, so, there's so much to him, you can't contain him in a name. And then Jesus comes and he, sa and he says, when you pray, the first thing you say is you say, Father. And it's an intimate term that he's talking about. So there's a sense of connection and relationship going on here. Fathers are, are close to sons. They're, they're in the proximity of. It's not distant and aloof. He's your dad. So when you pray, talk to your dad. Don't talk to God who is distant, who is too big to name. Talk to your dad because he loves you. And then and so on and so forth throughout the prayer, which we broke, won't break down now. But there's a sense of intimacy, of connection through the Lord's Prayer. And then, um, then um, we see uh, right at the back end of and wrapped up in Luke 11 is this one verse. And, and I just absolutely love this verse in terms of the end goal. And he says in, in verse 13, If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So hang on. We've gone from sitting at Jesus' feet to now act and then calling God Father to now what the presence of God is going to come on me? Like these are... Uh, are people that have been looking for the Messiah to come, but there's still that sense of distance of we're not right before God. The Messiah hasn't come yet. And here Jesus says, not only can you connect, and that's the story of Martha, not only can you connect with me, are you welcomed intimately to the Father's presence, but actually the Holy Spirit's going to come and be with you. That's where this is all going to end and get to. And so... Um, I just, I find, so when we talk about the answer, is it to sit or to serve, the, the, the answer is yes. The answer is, it's yes. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's actually both. The Mary and Martha passage was never meant to be about you, you, you need to do what Mary does because Jesus doesn't say she chose the, the right way. He said she chose what is better. She chose what is better, Martha, because I'm, I'm here and I'm to be found at this time. I don't think in any way, shape or form, so I, I guess I'm wanting to release any of you that have maybe thought that Martha, 
Hand, I, I will be intrigued. Who's thought that Martha got it? Who thinks of Martha as being kind of that she got it wrong kind of person on a consistent basis? I did. I'll, I'll be the first. I did for a long time. Yeah, I see a few hands. I think there'd be a few more. I don't think she got it totally wrong. And actually, when her brother dies, have a read of that passage. When Lazarus dies, you actually get to see that Martha apparently learned something because she's the first one to run out to Jesus when Lazarus had died. It wasn't Mary, it was Martha who ran out there. And so, um, where was I going? With? I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> um, both, both. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. It's both. It's both. I, I want to really encourage you today as we enter into this Easter season. Why did I go so far with that and that teaching? Because I want, I want to really encourage you, and I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us all, that whether it's to sit or to serve, we want to be able to do something. Something. Not nothing. But do one. Do something. Stephen, can we move on to the next slide? And so... As we think about is it to sit or to serve, and I was praying through this, and the Lord began to tell me these, these words, and, and, and it kind of began to make methodical sense to a degree of how they actually, we work through some of these things. And, and so when, when we come to Jesus, and when we come, it comes to, to sit or to serve, the first thing is about his love. It all starts with his love. Okay, yeah, and I see some people taking some photos. I'd encourage you to today and work through this into the Easter season. It, it always starts with his love. And whether we are sitting, it's to receive it, or whether we are serving, it's because of his life, death, and resurrection, his love, that we can actually do it. But that's where we must start to serve from if we're going to do it. If we don't start from there, we're in a little bit of trouble in terms of where it'll end up how you might feel at the end of it and all of that kind of stuff and we can talk and pray through that if you need to at the end of the service. But then we need to also accept that in the sitting that we are forgiven and that we're accepted as children of God. We are now his children. And in the serving, we accept that we have a role in the kingdom as his children. We actually have something to do on earth as we, as we understand how much he loves us, we, get, we understand that we have a role to play. Jesus was really, really clear about it. it. If you hear teaching or if you've had teaching that it was for the apostles and it's all ended, we'll break that off real, real quick because, because there's so much more for you in life as a disciple of Jesus to be involved in. And it's a wonderful, wonderful journey to serve in his kingdom. Then we need to, in the sitting, we trust that he is good and faithful, that we're growing in our understanding of his faithfulness and goodness. And we just sung it this morning, you, you know, that, that he's always good and he's always faithful. And in the serving, we trust that we are who Jesus says we are and we have the authority that he said we had. So when he said to the 72, I send you out, and when he prayed in John that, that it won't be just about, that, that for the disciples, that, that I'm praying for those who will believe through their message, that actually we have authority on this earth to bring the kingdom of God onto, into the earth as we serve in all different ways. Serving is not just about cleaning the toilets. It's not just about cooking a, a meal. Serving is so much more, praying for people, worship teams, preaching, um, 
I, I don't know, that's just in here. Keep the list going. You know in your life what some of those things might be. And then as we sit, we begin to, as we go deeper, we, we begin to surrender more of our will. Okay, you've proven yourself to be good and trustworthy time and time again, God. I'm actually going to hand my will over to you now because I know you're good and I know you're going to help me no matter what. And in the serving, we surrender and it begins to get a little more tenser as our time and our money and our effort is called on by the Lord to say, will you give me those things and will you love other people in and through those things and give those things up to do these things? And then in the sitting, as we, the, the key and the end goal of, of, of dying to self, that we actually move into this place of oneness with Jesus, where we're becoming more and more like him as his disciples. And when we die to self in the serving, we would love others as we would love ourselves and how we would want to be treated. And we would serve others to see them have life and life to the full in all of their needs and all of their brokenness, just like the disciples experienced in the sending out of the 72. Stephen, the, the key here is it to sit or to serve? In any given moment, I just present you this one simple thing that the key is, now I can't prove this is what Jesus said the one thing is. This is Scott here. You've got to take this as a, as a Scott thing. We don't know what the one thing was that Jesus said. He said, so there's, there's a couple of things. Actually, there's only one thing. We don't know. But I would suggest it might be on track if it's about that. Because Jesus was really clear in and through the scriptures that he only does what he sees the Father doing. And so he prayed at times. He went and he spent time with his father because his father was inviting him into, hey, this is a time we need to be together, you and I. And then he would heal the sick and then he would cast out demons. He followed the father into whatever he was asking him to do. So in answering the, the, the question, is it to sit or to serve, it's both, but it's, the key is do what the father's asking you to do. As people of Jesus, you hear from him and you, um, you will hear from him and you'll grow in hearing from him. It, it's, not, it's, it's not something you have to prove yourself in, in. It's not something, again, that you have to earn. The invitation is always there for relationship and he will show you what he's doing through the Holy Spirit. Because remember, as Jesus said at the end of Luke 11, the Holy Spirit will be with you. That's the promise. I guess the question might be, why ask this question to sit or to serve might be something we would ask. And I, I feel like over the last few years that... Now, let me say one more thing, sorry. To, to sit or to, as a disciple of Jesus... There's not a no to the sit or to serve. There's not, there's, there, it's, there's one or the other going on uh, for us all the time. It's never nothing. And I think over the last few years, I'd be bold enough to say, I don't have any data or anything like that again, so test this with the Holy Spirit. I'd be bold enough to say that there have been many a times where maybe there's been nothing. There's been a void. And to sit or to serve has, has been 
secondary to what um, other things are going on around us. There are uh, a lot of medical terms that get, and, and it's okay, again, I'm not criticising or devaluing what people are going through or feeling. What I'm trying to call us to is the, the place we start is with the love of God and with Jesus. And so as a disciple of Jesus, I, I, I just, I believe that, that we are always active with him in some way, shape or form. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be burnt out or, you know, all those kind of things. But, but what I mean is God is never not moving. He's always moving and he's always active with us. Sometimes he's actively asking us to come and just be with him on our own. Other times he's active and saying, would you help bring the kingdom and serve in some way, shape or form? But my experience and my belief through the scriptures is it's never nothing if you're, if you're a disciple of Jesus. There is always activity in the kingdom and God is always on the move. And so I, I want to encourage us all because our world is screaming out for people that would either sit or serve. And what I mean by that is people, as followers of Jesus, you bring light to the world. You bring life into the world because you have the one who created life in you and living through you. And so your story that you talked about last week is bringing light and life to people so they need people who sit and understand who they are in God. They, they're, they're, you're solid. You are something different. There's something about your life, something about who you are, the way you operate, how peaceful you are, how strong you are, how you're able to move through life circumstances, continuing to take the next step no matter what comes at you. So I'm not talking bed of roses here. I'm talking about the ability for us to continue to understand who we are and grow who we are in Jesus. Our world needs people like that desperately. And as we talked about through the Yes series. But our world also needs people who serve. Because I don't know of a time in my life where the sense of self is so prevalent more than ever. It's about me. Everything's about me. And so people who would serve and say, actually, it's not just about me. I'm involved in a bigger story of God's work on this earth. And I'm choosing to prefer you right now by doing something in some way, shape or form. However God invites you into, I'm choosing to prefer you. That will rock people's world. It really will. And if it doesn't rock it, it'll start to challenge them at least. It'll chip away at it. And if they really start to think about it, then I believe it will have an impact on their life. And so my encouragement to you today and as we move into the Easter season, because David and I were just reflecting on this before the service, it's like, oh my goodness, Easter is two weeks away. How did, like, how did we not think about that? How did that happen? How did it just suddenly pop up and be here in the next couple of weeks? Think about sitting and serving and, and just, just do one thing. Just one of them. So I'm not, I'm not saying you have to go out and do service. I'm, 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 I'm saying ask the Father, what's one thing you're doing with me right now and one thing you want me to do that others also would know and see that I'm loved by you but also that I can love you, you love them. What's just, just one thing that you might be able to do in the next couple of weeks? 
that might actually um, bring the kingdom on this earth, either in your own life or in other people's lives. So this morning, I want to just pray for us and um, invite you to come forward. I particularly want to pray if you feel like you have been in that void of it's not been anything. It's not been that connection and the sitting at Jesus' feet, that sense of presence with Jesus. I haven't been seeking that actively for myself um, or the serving. I have, like, it's just been this, this, this void of, of what's next and just rolling through with it. And you want to you kickstart that and say, you know what, I've had enough of that. And I think I'd like to, like to get, get, a go, get going again with the Lord and beginning to work in, walk more into this discipleship journey. Or if you're just really desperate for, for the next thing that the Father wants you to do and you want somebody to pray for you, come forward and we're going to pray for you. So why don't you stand with me now, let's pray together.